with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man Prep Cast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome back. Another edition of the Idaho 8-Man Prep Cast on IdahoSports.com. That's uh, always redundant. You know, the announcer just said that, and then I always repeat it. Uh, but anyways, here we are. Brandon Bailey. confusion. <laughs> That's right. Uh, just in case you thought that was disinformation, it's not. It, this is the Idaho 8-Man Prep Cast where we break down 8-Man football week in, week out. Brandon Bainey with Will Henneke. Will, how, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I think we've both recovered. We both were at multi-game events this past weekend broadcasting. I'm finally getting my voice back a little bit. How about you? Uh, mine really didn't go away too bad because I only did play-by-play once. Paul did. Uh, Paul Kingsbury did the first game and the third game of the Eight Man Classic. I only did the middle game. And when you're the when you're the analyst, you can really cut things back a little bit if the vocal cords are feeling strained. Well, and I know with Kingsbury, it's hard to get a word in edgewise. So he carries it a bit. And <laughs> and I, you know, I've been doing stuff with him for I mean, gosh, going on 20 years now. And I remember where he was when he started versus where he is now. And um, you know, I dare I say he's good, you know, he does a really nice job. And it, it's hard sometimes for new inexperienced broadcasters to to know that as soon as that tally light goes on that you know you're by yourself for the next two hours two and a half hours however long it's going to take that's a big challenge for some people but uh paul can handle it now he doesn't even need me there <laughs> well yeah we definitely need you there because you you have that expertise and and know the athletes and the, the coaches really well so yeah let's talk about it you were broadcasting the idaho eight-man classic uh one of the great yearly events in the state of idaho it's uh, a yearly tradition now at middleton high only three games this year, and I I would say the game that you were on the call for was was probably the most you know in terms of close competitive ball game. Where where do you want to start? You want to start with that one with Clearwater Valley and Glens Ferry. I feel I feel like the big story obviously is Oakley and Kendrick, these two titans in D one D two, flexing their muscles a little bit. But let, let's start with Clearwater Valley getting a nice twenty to twelve win over Glens Ferry. Yeah, and they did so, and I didn't know about this until afterwards. They did it without someone who they're expecting to be a very key contributor this year um, in Tiago Pickering, didn't even play. Um, I thought that they had a really nice balance between Anthony Carter uh, and, and Bass Myers. Both of them had nice bain, uh, games, and then uh, Louis Fabi had a nice game as well. And then, then defensively, I thought they did a really nice job. They'd maybe bend a little bit, but they wouldn't break. I was... Um, uh, I was impressed. I was I was impressed with Clearwater Valley. I can see why a lot of people up north uh, think that the Rams are, when it's all said and done, the Rams are probably going to be a playoff team. I would tend to agree based on what I saw. Yeah, and of course, Anthony Fabi uh, led Clearwater Valley last year, and, and he graduated, and everyone's like, all right, good, no more Fabies. And now uh, there's another Fabi we got to deal with, but that's like the eight-man game, right? Two of them, Louie, and, and then there's also Jake on the defensive side of the ball, the linebacker who had a uh, – and he played a little bit of running back as well, but he had a nice game as well. It's a, uh, you know, it's a team between the, the Pickerings and the Schillings and the Fabbies. They've, they've got a whole slew of all of them. Yeah, so uh, Clearwater Valley, a nice win, 1-0 start. What, what, what did you see from Glens Ferry? You know, last year, Glens Ferry came to the eight-man classic, and we came away impressed, and then they got into their gauntlet of a conference, and we didn't hear much from them again. But uh, what did you see from the pilots? You know, I thought they competed really well. I think that they have a, 
a pretty good triumvirate on offense uh, where you have Landon Stewart at, at quarterback and then you have Price Thomas and Landon Mills uh, either in the backfield. They were, uh, you know, whether it's an offset eye or whether one of them split out as a receiver. Uh, you know, I just I thought they have some nice pieces to work with. And I thought they competed really well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that it's to your point, you know, now they well not right now, but they're going to wind up going into conference play where they're going to have to play Oakley, Raft River, Cary, just kind of go down the list. Murtaugh, boy, Murtaugh looked really good this weekend uh, against against Wilder. It's going to be a tough run, but when you're talking about uh, at-large bids and these at-large bids are created by a mathematical formula and not just people who happen to glance at a scoreboard every now and then, there, I think there's definitely a chance that this Glens Ferry team, you know, I, I would expect them to finish somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 when it's all said and done. Uh, but at the same time, I think that 500 out of that conference might be good enough to get you a playoff spot. Yeah, I think they'll definitely be in the mix and got to take care of business within the conference. That's, of course, the most important thing. So that was just one of the three games at the eight-man classic. Kendrick got the day started with a 36 to nothing shutout win over notice. Well, we knew that if any one AD two champs were going to be good, uh, what what did you see from Kendrick in terms of first game of the year with a lot of returning players? Boy, the the, the second quarter of that game, um, you know, the final score, like you said, was thirty six to nothing. Twenty eight of the thirty six points for for Kendrick came in that second quarter, and uh, the first quarter was pretty good. You know, for a typical first game, the two teams kind of you know the body punches to kind of see what's there and. Uh, and then Kendrick put its foot down in the second quarter and, and really took off. And, uh, you know, they not only scored, but they scored quickly. And then they got the ball back quickly. And the game went from, you know, very tight and very competitive. It was 8 nothing. It went from very tight and very competitive to not very tight really quickly. And then in the second half, uh, you know, Paul and I talked about this a lot on the broadcast. If you're notice, you 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 want to stop the bleeding. You want to make the adjustments and make sure a game doesn't get completely away from you. I thought they did that very well. But on the other hand, Kendrick was able to just kind of ease out of there and not have you know no injuries to to speak of that I'm aware of. Um, you know they were able to work some some kids into the game and get some good playing time for some of their uh, some of their younger kids. Um, so. You know, people might say, oh, well, they didn't score at all in the second half. Well, that can be looked at two ways. Number one, you've got to give Notice some credit. Notice is not a bad team. Um, but also Kendrick was, you know, they didn't they didn't need to go throttle down at that point. You know what I mean? They were able to, uh, to play it a little bit safer with it being the first game of the year. And it was hot. And it was, I mean, and it was hot down on that turf. Um Notice uh, they they played with a couple of their a couple of their key players limited, uh, you know, kids that were coming back from injuries. So, you know, I don't want people to read too much into it for notice saying, oh, my God, they just got absolutely smacked around by a D2 team. Well, two things. Number one, notice didn't have their full allotment at full go, which impacted the game a bit. I don't know that they win the game, but I don't think it's 36 to nothing. Let's put it that way. Um, and then on the other hand, I mean, it's, it's, it's Kendrick, you know, I mean, I could, I can sit here right now and pretty comfortably say, and I, I have said 
one week, that's all we have to go off of. But on one week, in my mind, there are three teams that have clearly kind of separated themselves from the pack. That's Oakley, that's Butte County, and that's Kendrick. And two of them are Division One teams. Two of them play this week, um, as, as Oakley and Kendrick will play later this week. But those are all three really, really good programs. Um, so I don't think that if you're notice, I don't think you should be hanging your head that, you know, you had a couple kids that weren't completely at full go and you got beat by Kendrick. I don't think you should feel that bad about it. I think they still did uh, some good things with, with some of their younger players. And Kendrick has a pretty deep bench uh, for, for a D2 school. I, I would yeah. I would venture to say, without lo- having looked at all the rosters, like I bet I bet Kendrick's got more players than like Greenleaf Friends, for example, this year. Oh, for sure. They right. they were, and, and it, I had it written down, and I don't have it in front of me now, um, of the six teams that were there in terms of, of players, they weren't the smallest. They weren't the smallest roster. They had 24, 25 kids. Uh, listed on their roster, whereas a couple of teams were down around 20. So, uh, you know, they've and they've got the the big story coming into this year with with Kendrick was they only had one senior last year and it was a and they won state. And it's a perfectly legitimate story. They've only got like four this year. You know, they're still a young team. And so you get into a situation against a against a decent opponent with notice where you can get some of those younger kids in and you can get them a couple series of playing time. You can get them some snaps. Uh, you can get the ball in their hands a couple of times. That's that's what perpetuates growth within a program. And and Kendrick, you know, the, this window's open for a couple years for them. They weren't a one-hit wonder. There could be, you know, a three or four-hit wonder coming out of out of, out of Kendrick. Yeah, it's an exciting time up north for sure for Kendrick. Um, let's talk about the the last game of, of the eight man classic, uh, Oakley and Prairie. And again, I don't know that you know people look at it and go fifty six nothing and oh boy, Prairie must be no Prairie's good, and but but Oakley is just like next level good, right? Oh, they were they were fantastic, and Bryce Severe didn't even play. You know, <laughs> you talk about it again, like. You know, here's here they are, and and Bryce Severe, who I think is a, uh, you know, win healthy, he's an all state candidate, a potential player of the year candidate. He wasn't even in. I mean, he was there, but he wasn't in uniform. Um, so you know, Porter Pickett, I thought they, uh, you know, for a kid that was an offensive lineman last year and a defensive lineman, living living every linesman lineman's dream, getting shifted to quarterback. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Four touchdown passes, touchdown run. Managed the game really well. Um, you can tell Prairie has, like, if, if Prairie's normally here, they have come down maybe a little bit, and a lot of it is experience-related. Um, you know, they lost a lot of, of integral seniors off of last year's team. But Levi Hines, the sophomore quarterback, um, you know, I think he's going to be a good one when it's all said and done. Uh, Trenton Lawrence, the running back, I think is going to be a good one when it's all said and I mean, he – he ran for 80 or 90 yards as is, you know, so get him against a, a non NFL caliber defense. And, you know, he probably is going to have some big games coming up in his future. So, but you're right. I mean, I think they were fifth in the coaches poll, I believe. And I didn't see anything out of Prairie that would dissuade me from thinking they're still one of the five or six best division one teams in the state. Um, I just think Oakley and, and Butte County are so clearly one and two 
that there might be that much of a gap between number one and number five, which especially in the division one classification hasn't been common in recent years. Um, but this year it seems like maybe it could be. Yeah, there does seem to be more separation than than usual this year. Let, let's talk about the third team of your your big three, Butte County. They had a non-conference game against Valley. Hey, Valley, welcome back to 1A D1 and yeah. 8-man football. Go play Butte County and Arco and see how that goes. At 62-12, yeah. they were up 62 to nothing at halftime, Will. Yeah, yeah. and that's another one where, where Sam Thorngren, the head coach, he – he did what he, you know, he executed his offense and his team executed his offense and the defense in the first half. And then in the second half, you change things up and you give some kids some opportunity to play. Uh, Trayton Allen, a kid that I think has a chance if he gets enough carries to be a state player of the year candidate for Butte County, carried the ball four times. You know, your number one running back in the first game of the year carried the ball four times. Now, he, he scored on three of them. Um, so, you know, it's a it's a potent, powerful team. And and Valley, um, you know, head coach Ryan Jarvis was telling me over the summer, hey, we're, we're going to be young. You know, the, the results may not show this year. Um, it, it might be a little bit of a rough year, but we're, we're young and we do have some talent. So if we can just kind of stick with it, we'll be fine. And it's 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 hard to stick with it against Butte County because Butte County is that good. But when they get more into, uh, um, you know, well, I mean, almost anybody on their on their. I mean, I don't see why when they're playing against a Glens Ferry or a, a Murtaugh or a Shoshone or whoever, I don't see why they shouldn't go in there thinking, hey, we got a shot to compete in this game. Um, time will tell if they do. But boy, I mean, when when you're opening volley, you know, just like Prairie, you have. A, a sophomore quarterback and a new coaching staff go play Oakley. I mean, that's tough. Okay. You've got a very young, very inexperienced roster go on the road and play Butte County. That might be even tougher. You know, those are, those were two really tough opening week assignments for, for Valley and Prairie. Definitely. You mentioned uh Trayton Allen. He, he ran the ball four times. Three of the four times he he touched the ball, he was in the end zone. He had he had 107 yards on four carries. Yeah, yeah, and then that's just when you execute your offense with with Butte County. And and one thing that Sam Thorngren has mentioned before is last year's team they didn't really have that home run capability. They were going to be that team that took eight, nine, ten plays to score. They didn't have a whole lot of that 50, 60, 70 yard burst. Um, I think they might have a little bit more of that this year. Uh, but then when you couple that going up against, a, you know, a, a younger, inexperienced defense that's going to get better, you take advantage of the opportunities that prevent themselves or present themselves, I should say. Uh, but I think, you know, Trayton Allen's a kid that if, if he's in a position where he can get 20, 25 carries a game, he's going to run for 2,000 yards. Uh, I just don't know that he's going to get enough carries to hit that benchmark. Right. Uh, mostly because of what you said, there'll be a lot of times where Butte County kind of just shuts it down and, yep. and lets the uh, other guys play. L let's keep kind of doing a whip around, around the, the D one ranks. Um, to me, I thought the most important and the most intriguing non Idaho eight man classic game was that, that big white pine league battle up North Lapway and Kamii. And, 
I guess we we found out we we knew that Sage Lone Bear had had transferred out of Lapway to mm-hmm. Clarkston, but Mason yep. Brown also transferred out. So that was you know two uh, big guys that are missing for Lapway. Yeah. And Camii comes through with a 34 to 28 win. It was a tight battle, a little low scoring for my tastes in the, in the White Pine League. I'm used to seeing the the two teams maybe in the 40s or 50s. But boy, what a what a great game to start! And if these two teams played later in the year, I don't know how it would go. But for a first game, it was Camii getting the win. Yeah, and and from uh, based on media reports, Camii lost a player during the game who, uh, you know, a, a contributor on offense and defense who didn't play the entire game. So. That likely impacts things a little bit, but you know, Lapway. I mean, you take you take Mason Brown and you take Sage Lone Bear out. That changes the dynamic of that team. However, comma, Terrell Ellenwood Jones is still there. Elias Yearout is still there. Promise Shaw is still there. They've still got some good players. So the fact that they went up there and and you know they hung with a Camii team that's pretty decent. You know, they're not a bad team at all. And the fact that it was a good game, uh, I think it points to what uh, a lot of people have been saying over the last few weeks is that they expect the White Pine this year to not really have that one juggernaut team, but rather four or five good teams. Uh, and I think that what we saw this past week, in particular in that game, I think it it points to that. Um, I think Genesee will be in that mix. I think Prairie will be in that mix. Um, of just of, of good teams that on any given, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whichever day, you know, is, is capable of taking down the other. Yeah, it, it was a really nice win for Kamii. And we talked about all the guys Lapway lost. They did get a transfer from Kamii, strangely enough, Herschel Williamson, who was yeah. expected to play running back for Lapway this year. So that was another interesting layer to the uh, onion for week one up there uh you mentioned some of those other white pine league teams genesee beat timberline uh in in kind of a shootout uh i i was i was pretty impressed with the spartans efforts actually because timberline you know their their margins are thin in, ter- in terms of players and and so for them to, to only lose 52 to 44 I, I thought was pretty impressive yeah timberline's got a couple pretty good bodies there they have to rebuild the line a little bit they graduated a couple of their key linemen but, but skill-wise, they've got some players there that can make some plays. They just, you know, they have the misfortune of, of being in Kendrick's League in that 1A uh, Division II, which is going to present some challenges. And then Lewis County uh, is also a solid team as, as well in that division as well. But Timberlines, they'll be okay. And, and Genesee, I think, is going to put up points on a lot of teams. I think uh, Angus Jordan, the quarterback there, who can do it with his, with his arm or his legs, and he's also a good you know, special teams contributor and does some things on defense as well. I think that he's a, he's a guy that's uh, going to be in the mix for some all state uh, accolades when it's all said and done, which is kind of ironic that he would be selected to the all Idaho team when he's technically from Colton, Washington, courtesy of that, uh, of that co-op between those two schools. But, you know, he's a really good player and he's got some help around him. So I think Genesee is going to be a team that's able to put up some points and that's, what's going to, that's what's going to make them tricky over the course of the fall. Definitely. Troy uh, has a new coach, Sean Buchanan. They beat Deary 42 to 20 in a D1 versus D2 matchup. Um, Logos played a D2 school. Uh, not your typical D2 school, though. Pretty good council team. They lost um, 40 to 14. Logos has like 
like 40 kids out for football this year though. So like I just, they're a wild card to me because they've got such strong numbers. They, they only have, I think it's one senior. So they're, they're young, but man, yeah. strength in numbers for Logos as well. And a pretty good quarterback in Jack Driscoll. So as, as, as those kids, you know, uh, you know, rising seas lift all boats, right? So as, as the linemen get more experience, the quarterback and the running backs will be better. And as they get better, the receivers will be better. And as they get better, the defense will be better because they're having to practice against each other. So it's a, it's a program that's definitely moving the right direction, especially if they can keep those numbers in the 30 to 40 range where you're able to, you know, you're able to have some depth. You're able to play full JV games and a full JV schedule. Not every eight-man pre- uh, team has that luxury. And for, for Logos, if they're able to do that, which I don't know why they wouldn't be able to with those kind of numbers, the payoff, again, may not be visible in 2021. It may not be visible in 2022. Where you're going to start to see it is in 2024, 2025, when you get into, you know, when you get a little further down the line into the development of the program. Definitely. The white pine is going to be buckle up. It's going to be must watch football week in week out up North. Uh, other one, a D one games of note. Uh, you, you said Murtaugh really uh, stood out to you in a 66 to nothing win over Wilder. Yeah. I, Junior Benitez is a guy who, I mean, he's just a dude. He's just, and I was talking to Joe Woodland, the notice head coach. He came up and visited between games with, with Paul and I at the eight man classic. And he goes, man, that, that kid can just flat out play. And, um, you know, they're going to be one of those teams that's kind of hanging around that you got to pay attention to out of District 4. The thing to me that might be a little bit of a larger, and I don't even know if concern is the right word because, again, it's week one, is District 3, the Western Idaho Conference. Every one of those teams lost, and not only lost, but they lost convincingly. Uh, so though that's a, that's a conference as a group, one through five, um, that is going to have to regroup, and and they're well coached. You know, Woodland at Notice, Jason Rober at Idaho City, uh, Kyle Dalsolio at, at Wilder, and then you know Coach Ward at Rimrock, Coach Perkins at at, at uh, Greenleaf Friends Academy. They're well coached teams, so I expect them to rebound. Um, but I, I wasn't expecting them to go 0 for five as a conference, and not only go 0 for five as a conference, but across the board they they struggled they they really struggled yeah the highest point total of any team was idaho city they put up 18 points um otherwise you had a couple of shutouts uh rimrock scored 14 greenleaf put up six uh you're right uh in terms of the uh, cumulative score i didn't add all that up before the show but i i'm i'm sure it's uh, pretty astounding so yeah well and i'm sure all those western idaho conference fans that are tuned in would appreciate that because well, yes well <laughs> While 18 was the highest number scored for, 36 was, I believe, the lowest scored against. So, you know, go ahead and fill in the blanks. And like I say, I, I expect that conference as a whole to, to do much better going forward. Uh, and hopefully, you know, here in a couple of weeks, we're looking back at it and we're just chalking it up to, ah, man, it was just it was just a bad week for the conference. Definitely. The last one uh, AD one game I wanted to touch on before we drop down to D two was Carrie making their one AD one debut. They travel to Grace, a seven nothing game. I don't know if anybody saw this coming. The Grizzlies shut out the Panthers seven nothing. It's not often you a get a win over Carrie, but b shut out the Panthers in the process. Well, and and you know I got multiple texts from multiple coaches asking me. 
hey, is that score real? Is that score right? And uh, in talking to a couple of coaches who were communicating with other coaches, the word starts kind of circulating around that, uh, you know, Kerry had, a, they had trouble protecting the ball. And that's in, in eight man football, ball security, that is huge. You know, you, if you're going to fumble it, if you're going to throw interceptions, if you're going to have turnover problems, uh, and they had what, you know, what, six, seven turnovers, you're going to keep almost anyone in the game, let alone a pretty good team, which I think Grace is a pretty good team. And and we talked about, I believe on this podcast last week, we talked about um, how Grace defensively, they have the pieces to be a pretty good defense, and they just showed it because turnovers aren't always giveaways. Sometimes they're straight-up takeaways. Um, and then the one the, the other one that people had some fun with was the number seven. You don't see too many odd numbers in eight-man football because that means you kicked a PAT. But that's a that's a huge win for Grace. I mean, that's when you're talking about uh, you know potential um, uh, at-large bids when when we get to mid and late October, them beating Carey, that that's going to be a, a big big win for them if if they're scrambling for an at-large bid. Yeah, I think Grace is uh, uh, taking that next step, right? Last year they were competitive when they played D2 schools, struggled against the D1s. I, I think they've taken that next step forward. And for Carey, I think this is kind of the best thing that could have happened to them. It's, it gives Coach Lane Kirkland a chance to gather his guys up and go, hey, we told you it was going to be more difficult jumping up to a level, and this this proves it. We have yeah. to be better. Yeah, and you don't see in in, in... – I mean, I've been watching eight-man football in Idaho for, you know, 25 years now, almost 25 years. You don't see a Lane Kirkland coach team have games like this very often. So you can bet whoever they're playing this week, oh, Butte County, boy, that <laughs> nice soft follow-up for them. Um, I, I will say one thing. I will be surprised if they turn the ball over maybe more than once or twice. That is yeah. something I guarantee you that that veteran experienced coaching staff in carry, that's something they're going to be working on. Definitely. Uh, and that'll be a game on IdahoSports.com. We will talk more about that in, in just a moment. But let's let's check in on Carrie's uh, old stomping grounds, the D2 ranks. A great week for Carrie's old conference, the Sawtooth Conference. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think the biggest story has got to be Camas County just taking it to Rockland. You know, Rockland came in as a team that had some buzz for, hey, this might be one of the, like, small number of teams that could, like, hang with Kendrick and knock up Kendrick. They lose to Camas County 54-26. to And last year, we had a lot of fun on our Magic Valley prep cast, Scott Burton and I. We kind of dubbed it the year of the musher because, you know, Camas County had that late-season run in football, and they were very good in, in boys' and girls' basketball. Yep. And we had their athletic director, Mike uh, Mike McCann, on in the offseason, and he said, hey, why why can't it be the years of the musher? I, we, it could easily be the year of the musher again, and I, I think we saw it in, in week one, 54-26 to 26 win over Rockland. Yeah, and then the thing that I was really impressed with when I went in and looked at it was, uh, and then talking to a couple people, was the pass defense. You know, they did a really nice job. I believe they intercepted either four or five passes. Cody Smith, uh, the senior defensive back, had a couple of picks, and he was a guy that was asked to do a lot of the coverage of Teague Matthews, who is a, an elite eight-man level athlete. And, and, and Matthews had his, you know, 
what, four or five receptions. So it wasn't like he was invisible, but it wasn't like they were all 70 yard bombs for touchdowns. You know, they made, they really made Rockland work. And I think there's a lot of credit to Camas County there. And I was really curious to see, because uh, Camas County is, um, you know, they, they've got decent numbers, but they don't have a bunch of 250 pound kids. You know what I mean? What they've got is they've got smaller, quicker, more athletic kids. And on that day, the the athleticism of, of Camas County shone through. They won a lot of individual battles. And then defensively, they were really good against Rockland's pass. And Rockland likes to throw the ball. And then as a result, Camas County got a, a really, really nice win. And then now they've got to go play North Gem, who came off of a nice win themselves. They beat Malad's JV pretty convincingly themselves. So you know, a couple of a couple of good opportunities for Camas County to really shoot out of the shoot out of the gates and make sure that people are paying attention to them. Definitely, um, three interceptions from that Mushers defense, including a pick six from Sage Patton, and Tristan Smith uh, did his usual thing at quarterback for the Mushers, and uh, he he'll be uh, and remember the name Tristan Smith. Uh, he I think he's really going to burst onto the scene this year for the Mushers. Yeah, and um, he's just a junior. Yeah, you know, they've, they've got another year with him to go after this one, and his twin brother is also there. I mean, they've they've got they've got a decent little stable of athletes. Like I said, they're not tremendously large, if you will. You know, it's not like you know you're going to Rocky Mountain and you're looking at a bunch of guys that weigh 275 pounds across the line, but they're they're just they're good athletically and they're they're pretty scrappy and they have you know last year was the year of the mushers, so they've kind of figured out how to win. You know. They're, they're figuring it out. They're going to be they're going to be a factor in that division for sure. Definitely, the Smiths were key members of that uh, basketball team that got all the way to the the championship game and lost to Rockland. So so personally, for a lot of those Camas County guys yeah. beating Rockland, this was also payback for that state championship basketball game last winter because you know athletes on both sides you know play multiple sports. So yeah. that was kind of cool for Camas as well. Uh, Dietrich, oh. Dietrich. Yeah. Will, you told me the one thing you disagreed with my, my top five rankings for the media poll was you, you told me you got to get Dietrich in there somewhere. Yeah. Heard and, and noticed and holy smokes, 70 to 14 Dietrich defeats Rimrock. Yeah. That, that's, that's a good football team. And I think I said last week that, uh, that I would put, you know, Dietrich and Castleford maybe a half step ahead away from Camus. I'll make the adjustment there. And that I think those three teams are all, you know, right about here. And it can just be an eye of the beholder. And and I think that when those head-to-heads happened between Castleford and Dietrich and Camas County, uh, those have the op- those have the possibility of being just tremendous, tremendous football games. Because I don't know that, and again, we're, we're going off of one week, right? And, and we haven't seen, we haven't seen film on all three teams. We haven't talked to all the coaches or anything yet, but, um, they look like they're all pretty, pretty close. Um, and and that is meant as a good thing. I think it's going to be very competitive. Uh, there are going to be some great battles coming up in that in that conference. Definitely. Uh, Castle Ford also got a nice win. They traveled to Mackey to play the co-op of Chalice and Mackey. So we talked about this where Chalice and Mackey were seeking a co-op. They had to get the IHSAA to sign off on it. As far as I can tell, it was like like Thursday, like late Thursday. They finally got the go ahead. Um, yeah. They were already kind of planning to do it. I think it was just a you know a, 
a rubber stamp type deal, but, but they were able to play. They're going to host some games at Mackey early in the season. And then later in the year, when they get into conference play, since they are technically in Chalice's conference, they're going to mm-hmm. play those games in Chalice, which is kind of cool. So Mackey got to host this first game with Castle Ford. Um, the Wolves come over and win 48 to nothing. This was a game I went back and actually watched the film of because Castle Ford's one of those schools. It's kind of like Fort Knox, right? We don't ever get much info out of there, and they're always kind of a big mystery. And I was like, I, I need to pay better attention to Castle Ford this year. Jamie Ramos looked good at running back or uh, quarterback. They had a number of different guys carry the ball. Um, they basically started slow in the first quarter, found their footing in the second quarter, and from there kind of went on cruise control in, in a 48 to nothing win. Yeah, not uncommon this type of year. I mean, it was. It was week one for in the eight-man game. It was week one for everybody. So pretty much every team out there uh, in a certain context was working out some kinks. And that's where, you know, the performances of teams like Oakley and whatnot, that's what makes them all the more impressive is, boy, there were some teams that just looked really, really good. Definitely. And uh, Chalice Mackey, you might be wondering, well, what's their team called? Uh, you know, they co-op in baseball and they're the River Cats, um, mm-hmm. but they're they're calling themselves uh, Chalice Mackey 7C um, because 7C is county. Custer County, the county right. where these two communities reside. So I kind of like that. And, you know, I, I, I also wanted to watch the film to see the, you know, what do these uniforms look like? It, it really is kind of like. Mackie wears theirs, Chalice wears theirs, kind of like uh, like an really? all-star game or something. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Different different uh, styled uniforms, but it works. Everybody's got one number, so ends up working out all right. <laughs> yeah, you don't have two number 14s <laughs> out there running around. Right. So, it, yeah, it was kind of cool, and I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, how Chalice Mackie, uh, you know, bad news is, um, you know, they're in the same league as Butte County and Grace, but um, – uh, opportunity there for them maybe to at least play the game of football, which I love to see. Hey, go out and compete, you know, and that's yeah. that's all uh, that's all most of these kids want to do. They just want a chance to go play. And and uh, bravo to the Idaho High School Activities Association for allowing this to happen. Um, you know, there are probably some old curmudgeons, some old stick in the muds that might have traditionally just said, no, no, too late. We're not doing this now. But uh, you know, the two schools worked together, came up with a great plan, said, hey, we're just going to do it under your existing schedule. Um, so there wasn't a whole lot of last minute flurrying that had to happen. You just had to have somebody look at it and say, OK, I'd, I'd rather have these, you know, 15, 20 kids playing football than sitting on their couch. And they signed off on it and and, and away we go. And, you know, Chalice Mackey now gets to to play Rockland, you know, so the, they get a deal with the the stirred up hornet's nest after the bulldogs lost last week. Definitely, that'll be uh, an interesting uh, opportunity for both of these teams to get their first win of the year. Um, another team from the Sawtooth Conference that had a nice debut was Hagerman. Th- this was a game, Will, you were planning on maybe trying to go scope out on Friday night. Hagerman playing Greenleaf Friends. Um, but we we discovered uh, something interesting with their schedule along the way that we weren't uh, aware of. Actually, you were the one who picked up on it uh, because of Greenleaf Friends' co-op with Gem State Adventist uh, Academy this year. Yeah, what they do is they, the the Adventist religion, their their Sabbath runs from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, so they, uh, you know, they basically can't play on Friday nights. So, whenever possible, they're going to play on on Thursdays, and and uh, that was, you know, we thought the game was going to be on Friday, and I live 
15 minutes away from Greenleaf. And I thought, well, here's a chance to go see a couple of teams that I don't normally get to watch. Let's go check them out. And I drove up to the field and I kind of looked around and I'm like, all right, uh, clearly the game isn't happening here. And then, you know, and then you found out that the game had actually happened on Thursday, but uh, Hagerman, that's, that's, it was a nice win for Hagerman. You know, they're, they're one of those teams that's kind of been on that line between JV and varsity. They've got a new head coach in, in Bill Hicks and uh, Dana Strong, the outgoing coach, he had told me last year, you know, it's going to take a couple of years to rebuild this um, as far as, you know, really supporting those younger classes as they come through. But he's like, there's a few athletes here. He's like, make no mistake. There are some kids that can play some football. And Hagerman has a history. They were one of those teams back when when the equivalent of Division One, if you will, in the in the one A ranks was considered A four, but it was an eleven man team. Hagerman was one of the best teams in in that conference. They've won state championships, so they they have a history of some success down there along the river. And and you know it was just a matter of trying to get that get that that boat turned around and going the right way. And uh, it seems like perhaps they've started to do that. And, and we'll see over the course of the year if they're able to build off of what was a what was a good opening win last week. Definitely. So nice job for Hagerman. Um, let, let's go to the Rocky Mountain Conference. We touched on Rockland and how they did. North Gem, you mentioned kind of unusual playing Malad's JV, and that's unusual because Malad plays 11-man football. And North Gem, of course, plays eight-man football. I think with their coach, Corey Hatch, they will line up and play anybody, anytime, anywhere, whether it's eight-man or uh, I, I'm pretty sure they played eight-man for this game uh, against Malad. But, um, you know, even I was talking to him during the offseason about Clark County, and I said, is that going to be an eight-man game? Is it going to be because I know Clark County's done the six-man thing in Montana in the past? And he goes, I told them we'd play six-man if they wanted to. You know, I, don't, I think he's just like, let's line up and play. Let's, let's just let's play. Do- yeah. Some of those games in the past, like you remember Kerry played Wood River a couple of years ago just to get a game because the 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 county officials during the COVID pandemic basically were not letting outsiders into the county for athletic competitions. And and what they did, and I've heard of this before, is when when the eleven man team has the ball, they play eleven man football. When the eight man team has the ball, they play eight man. So um, I, I'd have to ask Coach Hatch for sure to see which way it was, but part of me wouldn't be all that surprised if Malad's offense played 11-man, so it was 11-on-11 11 11 when Malad had the ball and then 8-on-8 eight eight, uh, when when North Gem had the ball. But uh, nonetheless, uh, a, a nice win for a nice win for North Gem because they're breaking in some, some new players, and we mentioned no Bridge or Hatch, who essentially was the offense last year. I mean, everything, and I mean everything, ran through his hands. So they had to, you know, they've, they've got to break in some new players and some new roles. And so to go do it um, and, and to get a win to boot is, is, a, is a good deal for, for North Gem fans. Definitely. No Bridger Hatch. They now have Rusty Hatch, 15 carries, 115 yards and a touchdown. No Brett Yost. They now have Mason Jenkins, 21 carries, 95 yards and a touchdown. Jack Perry, five carries for 98 yards and a touchdown. So that's got to be like 20 yards a carry. As a team, North Gem rushes for 331 yards. You know what the most uh, not surprising but intriguing stat to me was? North- I, I'm, I know what it is, but I'm going to let you say it. <laughs> North Gem, zero passing yards on zero pass attempts. <laughs> yeah, and, and Coach Hatch is very blunt when he says, if we don't have to throw the ball, we're not going to throw the ball. 
what was the stat that he gave us? They've combined for like less than 70 passing attempts the last two years. So, you know, the fact, I mean, it, let's put it this way. I think if you, if you open up your, um, you know, your Idaho state journal down there in, in Eastern Idaho, Southeastern Idaho, and you open up your paper and, and you see North gem quarterback throwing 15 or 20 passes a game, you're going to, you're going to wonder, okay, a, this is either a misprint or B coach hatch got hit on the head and isn't feeling right. One of the two. Right. Uh, so North Gem continuing to do what they do, and they shut out the Malad JV 22 to nothing. Water Springs found themselves in a shootout with Hanson. Um, Hanson is always one of those teams that, because of the conference they play in, I feel like they get overshadowed a little bit. But Han- Hanson's a good quality team, and, and Water Springs gets out of there with the 42 to 40 win. Yeah. Drew Plocker had a huge game again. This is a kid who was dynamic last year. He's, you know, dynamic version 2.0 this year comes out of the gates and runs for 300 yards in the first game. And oh, by the way, throws for 150. And oh, by the way, has 14 tackles. And when I was asking some questions of, of the Water Springs folks, because they're great about submitting information to us. So we have we have good information on them. And then when I when I was asking them, I'm like, hey, what did you what did you think of Hanson? You know, because sometimes we don't hear as much about the about the Huskies and uh to a man, everyone that I heard back from, oh, that that team can play. They don't have a ton of depth. They don't have a ton of numbers. Um, so injuries could be an issue for them down the road. Uh, but they, you know, Hanson definitely has some kids that are that are going to make some plays and and give them a chance to be competitive. Hanson now will play Murtaugh in the annual uh, wagon wheel rivalry game, the battle for the wagon wheel this uh, this Friday. So. Uh, Hanson a chance to uh, get that first win of the year. Uh, District 3, Horseshoe Bend and Council, to me, are kind of the co-favorites going into this thing. Horseshoe Bend actually plays a conference game right out of the gates against Cascade. Um, 66-14 to win over the Ramblers, who are playing varsity football for the first time in a couple of years. And then uh, Council goes up to Logos, we kind of talked about it, and just smacked around uh, a, a D1 team um, by a final of 42 Eight, so yeah council's a good squad i mean horseshoe ben's a good squad they're both good squads and then you throw in you know tri-valley goes to idaho city and thumps them um i i'm i don't know that i would say that i'm shocked that tri-valley won i'm a little bit shocked that they went there and won by 30 um but you know it's i i said last week that's a team i've got my eye on I think that next year is the year for the Titans, really. But this is a year where they can make a lot of teams uncomfortable and they can make a little bit of noise. And then Garden Valley, who plays their first game this week, that's another team. I mean, I think there are four pretty compelling teams in that division. And it's going to be interesting over the course of the next eight weeks to see how it plays out. And then, you know, you got Cascade and Meadows Valley and Salmon River, who Hey man, they're they're all grinding too, you know, and and they're all gonna say, hey, don't forget about us, and I'm not forgetting about you. Uh, I'm not forgetting about you at all. I think you got a little bit of work to do to make up that gap, um, and and in time it'll come. I think it'll come. But I was glad to see Cascade on the field competing. Um, I'll be glad to see Meadows Valley on the field competing. They're they're a little thin in numbers again this year as as they try and build things up there in New Meadows, but. That's that's I mean just in terms of school districts that's just one of the smaller school districts in, uh, in the state of Idaho so they don't have a ton of boys to to, to pull from but they'll host Greenleaf this week and in, in I think what should be a pretty interesting matchup and 
uh, really interested to see which which squad gets the win in that game. Yeah, both teams really, really young as well. A lot of freshmen and sophomores for both of those teams. The the only team from the league besides Cascade who lost the, the league game to, to lose was Salmon River. They lost to Lewis County 58-14. to Tri-Valley now plays Lewis County. That could be a game with playoff implications potentially. It could. It's a good matchup. I mean, I've I've you know I've I've been a big fan of of Coach Monty Madrell and and the Lewis County Eagles and what they've been doing for a few years now and and they seem like a team that again it's they're going to be overshadowed because they're sharing a, a stage if you will with Kendrick who I think is legitimately one of the three best eight man teams in Idaho regardless of classification and Lewis County's not quite there yet but I do think they have a chance to win you know, five, maybe six ball games, get into the playoffs, win a couple of games, you know, make some noise. And then, you know, the, the, the thing is, is a statement I heard once that I always thought was very true is, you know, I'd rather be the, the ugliest kid invited to the dance than the prettiest one left at home. And once you get into the playoffs, you know, just, just get there and then let the chips fall where they may, you know, maybe it doesn't go well, maybe, you know, Maybe it does, but you got to be there in order for that to happen. And I think both Lewis County and Tri-Valley, they both have a chance to be one of those teams that comes in that maybe not a lot of people are expecting a lot out of immediately. Maybe they get a favorable matchup. Maybe they get a favorable side of the whole bracket. And then, you know, you get a couple weeks into November and you look up and you're like, hey, who are these Eagles? Who are these Titans? What are they doing? Who are they? And, and I think either one of those teams has a chance to do that. Yeah, that'll be a fun matchup for sure. And then let's go all the way up to the North Star League up in District 1, this this new five-team league in the D2 ranks. Um, they're, they're playing conference games. Pretty, pretty, pretty much they've said they're going to play seven conference games, so they'll play some opponents twice, and then you get, you get one game to do what you will with. Mm-hmm. Mullen St. Regis played – Superior Montana, we talked about last week. They always go play a game in St. Regis. Uh, they, they lose that game to the defending uh, eight-man champs in, in Montana, 50-32. to 32. But to me, the, the more intriguing matchups were the two conference games. You had Clark Fork shutting out Lakeside 46 to nothing, And then you had Wallace getting a, a pretty big win over uh, Kootenai 60-12. to 12. And, and both, those, both those teams that came up on the short end of the stick – um, are, are teams that are growing towards the future. Um, uh, Lakeside playing without their, you know, their marquee athlete, Vander Brown. He's chosen not to play football this year. That hurts them. Kootenai is, they're, they're young. You know, they're, they're young and they don't have a ton of numbers. Uh, Coach Pfeiffer in Kootenai said they've got a couple of bigger classes coming. And he said he loves the group that he has this year, but uh, he said, "We just can't, we can't have a whole lot of pulled hamstrings or twisted ankles, or or we're going to be in trouble." So I love seeing them out on the field. I love seeing them out there competing. I think Wallace has a chance to, uh, you know, be a little bit of a spoiler in in that league. But I think the two teams to beat is as the as the team since there's going to be a a District One A and a District One B come the the One A Division Two playoffs. I think that's Mullen St. Regis and I think that's Clark Fork and are, you know, coincidentally, those two teams are playing this week. I think those are two solid football teams. They're two well-coached football teams and uh, they're going to have a couple entertaining football games uh, against one another this year. Yeah. That is a three 30 kickoff in Mullen 
Friday afternoon, I guess, 3.30 kickoff. Um, that, that'll be an intriguing one. Let's take a look at what's on the schedule for this week. Um, we'll start with the D2s and kind of work our way up, keeping in mind that there are some D2, D1 crossover games. So we talked about Clark Fork at Mullen. Um, we talked about Meadows Valley hosting Greenleaf Friends. Um, first game of the year for the Mountaineers. Garden Valley will be making their season debut. Uh, they will be at Rimrock. You've got Cascade at Salmon River. Two, two younger teams that are mm-hmm. trying to build. Somebody's going to get a big win for, for their program. That'll be yes. interesting for sure. Um, Shoshone will be making their season debut. They're going to play the Raft River JV, actually. That should be a pretty good test for them. You've got Merton Hansen in, in the wagon wheel game, like I said. Uh, Water Springs at Hagerman, a pair of 1-0 teams, uh, could be pretty interesting. You've got Dietrich uh, playing Glens Ferry. Um, Dietrich, of course, coming off the 70-point win in week one. No, this one's intriguing to me, Will. Notice at Council. Oh, How do you think much. that one goes? Very much, because, I, I mean, as we've talked about earlier just on this podcast, we both think Council is legit. We both think Council is a good team that has a chance to make some noise in the 1A Division II classification. And and notice, it's interesting to see what they do if those players who were a little bit limited last week, if they're a little closer to a full go this week. So if Notice's offense is able to be a little bit more productive, if they're able to hit on a couple of bigger plays, and uh, it's, it, I think that that game is going to tell us a lot about both those teams. Um, you know, it's, it's a non-conference game, so it's – not like you're going to be thinking, oh, my gosh, notice is sunk or council is sunk. Uh, but but I think that, that both those teams, uh, council, I think, did themselves a, a service by going in and beating Logos last week. And if they can beat notice this week at home uh, up there in Adams County, they're going to have a lot of people that are going to take some start taking some notice of them. You know, casual fans are going to see that they're 2-0. and and they've beaten two, you know, pretty competent 1A Division One opponents. Yeah, that's a big game for for both sides in terms of getting some momentum going. Uh, Clark County's going to make their uh, long-awaited debut. They're going to travel to Castleford to play the Wolves JV team. Um, to me, the best matchup of 1A D2 versus 1A D2 schools in terms of storyline is Camas County at North Gem, Camas County going back to the scene of the crime where they knocked out the undefeated Cowboys in the opening round of the playoffs last year. One of the more shocking upsets I've seen in some time in Idaho. Uh, how do you think this rematch goes? Well, I think that it's, uh, I, I think that it's going to play out um, much the same as last week where people were wondering if Camas County's uh, defense would hold up against the Rockland passing attack. I think now the question is, is Camas County's defense going to hold up against the North Gem rushing attack? And that was the story last year, too. And what we didn't anticipate last year was that Camas County's offense was going to be as efficient and as effective as they were counterpunching. Um, so, you know, I think what we saw last week is that this Camas County offense is going to be able to score some points. We saw that. So the question becomes, is North Gem – uh, you know, are, are they going to be able to counterpunch on offense? And is their ground attack going to be potent enough um, to, to limit Camas County's chance at, at big plays on offense? And if, if that game is able to be played a little bit shorter, if you will, um, and that means North Gem controls the ball a little bit more and they've got, you know, two kids at 20 plus carries 
if they shorten that game a little bit, I think that that's going to be big advantage for Camus County, or I beg your pardon, uh, big advantage for North Gym. Whereas if if Camus County is basically able to win at the line of scrimmage and shorten some of those North Gem drives and get the ball back, um, it has the potential to be a game where Camas County, we're looking at it on Friday night going, hey, Camas County just dropped another 50-burger on somebody from, you know, District 5-6 over there on the other side of the state. It could go either way. It's just a matter of which, you know, which which front is able to win. If North Gems pushes Camas County, North Gems going to win. If Camas County pushes North Gems, Camas County is probably going to win. Yeah, that's going to be a fantastic battle for sure. The D1 schedule, White Pine League play officially opens. You've got Troy at Prairie. That's going to be a great one. Potlatch making their season debut at Genesee. You've got Logos at Clearwater Valley as well. Um, Camii's got a really interesting non-conference game. They'll host Raft River in the season debut for the Trojans. That's going to be a great one. Yeah, I'm really interested to see that one because, you know, Raft River, they lost some ponies, but they've got some ponies back too. So, uh, you know, the cupboard is not bare for Coach Evans down there in Raft River. And, um, you know, we know Camii's, you know, they've had a they've had a week to knock some of the rust off, A, uh, but they B, they've got some kids that can play. So that should be a really, really interesting matchup where, again, you know, you talk about wins that can really help a team come, you know, potentially at large bid time you know, whichever team comes out on top in that one is going to be able to point at that game and say, hey, but we beat, you know, Team X that went on to win six games. You know, Kamii can say they beat Raft River that went down in what I think is the best division in, in the state. And, you know, I, I think Raft River is going to win at least five or six games. If Kamii can say they won that game, that's going to be a big feather in their cap. Flip side of the coin if, if Raft River is able to get the job done against Kamii, that's a good non-conference test for them. This could have Max Prep's rankings implications down the line as well. This is a big matchup for sure. Um, we talked about Grace. They got the big uh, 7 nothing win over Kerry. They're going to play Lighthouse Christian. It'll be the debut for the Lions and new head coach and new athletic director, Jason Smith. He's uh, had a busy offseason. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Lions do on, on their beautiful turf. You've got, uh, and then you've got the two big matchups that are going to be broadcast live on IdahoSports.com. We talked about already, Butte County is going to travel to Cary. We'll have that game for you live on Friday night at 7 o'clock. And then, of course, the the game <laughs> in, in Cambridge. This is a neutral site game. You've got Oakley and Kendrick meeting up in Cambridge, home of the Tri-Valley Titans. How do you think this game goes between Oakley and Kendrick? You know, those two teams played in Parma last year, and I was at that game. And for most of the first half, it was pretty close. Um, I want to say it was something like 16 to nothing at halftime in favor of Oakley. And then in the second half, Oakley just ran away with it and wound up winning by 40-plus points. That's exactly what Kendrick coach Zane Hobart wanted to see from his team. Not that they lost. He didn't want to see them lose. He wanted to see how his team would match up against a stronger, more physical team. And for a half, they did pretty good. And they were able to learn from it and go on and ultimately win the state championship. I think this is a great matchup for Kendrick. Um, I think that what, one of the things we saw against Notice was when Notice kind of squared up the pads and said, okay, let's just knock some heads and see what happens. Kendrick answered the bell. They answered the bell and limited Notice's offense big time. 
Uh, I think that that is something that that speaks well uh, to the Tigers' ability to kind of stand up face to face with Oakley. They've got some. Kendrick has some big linemen. Jack Silflow's a big kid. Dallas Morgan's a big kid. They've got some big kids. It's not going to be a size issue. It's going to be a toughness issue, a d- desire issue, a grind issue. Um, I, I still find myself thinking that I I, I think Oakley's going to win that game. Um, I don't think it, whatever it was last year, 42 to nothing, 46 to nothing, whatever it was, I don't think it'll be anything like that. I can see this being like, you know, a, a 32-26 type game that uh, is just a, a lot of fun to just, it's a lot of fun just to watch. Definitely. That'll kick off Friday night, six o'clock on IdahoSports.com. So everyone can get home at a decent hour. So yeah, be sure to catch that live um, on IdahoSports.com as well. All right. Before we get out of here, I do vote in the, uh, the media poll every week for uh, the, the football poll, the weekly poll. Uh, Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I've been waiting all week for this. <laughs> uh, my one, a D one poll, the top four stayed the same. I still got Oakley one Butte County two. I've still got Prairie three, despite the loss. Whereas if you take a, a big lopsided loss to a really good team, I'm not going to ding you, at least for the first game. And then I've got Raptor River 4 still yet to make their debut. I did swap out the five spot. I had Carrie as my number five. Uh, I put Kamii in as my number five team now after a pretty impressive win over Lapway. Not bad. Not bad. I mean, I, I'm going to stand by what I said earlier where I think one and two are pretty clear. And then I think three through about eight, maybe nine, um, they're going to sort themselves out over the course of the season. Um, you know, Kamii, I think, is worthy. Clearwater Valley, I think, is worthy. Uh, I think Notice will be worthy in time. They weren't last week, but I think they will be over the course of the season. Uh, and then the teams you have in there. I think Prairie is still going to be in the mix. I think Genesee will be in the mix. Raft River will be in the mix. Murtaugh, I think, will at some point be in the mix. I think there are a lot of teams, a lot of ways you can go with spots three, four, and five. Definitely. 1A, D2 poll for me. Top two were the same. Kendrick, one. Castle, Ford two. I had Rockland, three. I dropped them out because they lost by such a lopsided margin. And I actually had Camas County unranked, and I put them in Rockland spot. So I've got the Mushers at number three right now. That was a very impressive win to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Council at number four still. They didn't move. And then um, I had Mullen St. Regis in there with the loss and with Dietrich's, uh, you know, that was an oversight on my part. My bad. Dietrich is now in my top five at number five with the chance to move up. So two, three, and five, all from the same division, huh? Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, it, it's, it's hard to argue with some of those. I think we can split hairs on some of those teams, but I think that um, one and two until somebody beats them, I think that, that's that's fine, you know. But um, you know, I'm I'm a little more bullish on Dietrich than some people. Some people are a little more bullish on Camas County. Some people would say, "What about Horseshoe Bend, uh, Mullen St. Regis?" So what? They lost one game to you know Montana's state champ. You know, they're again. We can we can split a lot of hairs, but I think that your your top two in both are both pretty solid, and and I would argue not really debatable at this point. Definitely. All right. Well, we went a little longer than I was anticipating today, Will. I'm very sorry that I I took so much of your time away, but we get talking about eight-man football, and I just – 
I lose track of the time, but uh, hey, there are worse things. We could be talking about dental work or something like that. So I'm good with this. <laughs> yeah, stay tuned for the dental work prep cast coming your way soon. Uh, enjoy all of the games this weekend, everybody. We'll be back to break it all down again on another edition of the Idaho Eight Man Prep Cast next week for Will Haneke. I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in on IdahoSports.com.